Welcome back to another chapter of To Honesty and Comeuppance, an Attack on Titan fanfiction written by yours truly, Tolstoy Ackerman. You can find this fanfiction by clicking on the link in my profile, which will take you to all of my works on AO3, or by going to AO3 and searching for the title of this fic, or my pen name, Tolstoy Ackerman, two words. Standard disclaimer, I do not own Attack on Titan, I only own the original characters here within, and this is entirely non-for-profit. Thanks for coming back for another chapter. Without further ado, let's get into chapter 31. Chapter 31. No Strings White fillies made of moonlight pranced onto the floorboards. There were hammers driving screws into his head, but when he brought his palms to his scalp, it felt like cotton on loose silk threads, insubstantial and insensate. He wormed his fingers through the silk for a little before spreading his hands out before him. Digits fluttered like butterfly wings at noon, and he felt vaguely amazed that they were his to control. He looked down now at himself, and he saw he was naked but for his boxers. Whether this was good or bad wasn't clear or important. It was merely the state of things. What was important was that he wasn't alone. Someone was in the bed with him, he now saw. They lay there in their underwear like him, eyes closed, body still. Their chest rose and fell steadily. Who were they? He tried to see their face, but it seemed that everything had a thin sheet of gossamer over it, and he could see no details. They were soft and feminine, and they created waves within him that lapped at the shores of memory. He leaned down and brushed aside the veil to breathe in. Violets dappled in silver. A nice fragrance, but not the one he sought. You, how the fuck are you up? The words swam through heavy cream to reach him, but they didn't taste sweet. Rough, burlap palms were on him, bearing him down and changing horizons, and his neck pinched and burned before he slipped into soft, calm water. The next time he awoke, it was sunlight filling the room, with gold dust pirouetting in the warm embrace. He stretched his arm out to reach into the stream, and it seeped into him. Its glow and playfulness reminded him of someone, but her face was covered in gossamer, too. Her appearance, her voice, her scent, even her name escaped him. Come to think of it, what was his own name? What did his own face look like? It didn't seem very important, so he allowed himself to bask in the sunrays and watch the pixies perform their dance within it. Metal parts ground on other metal parts, and wood scraped on wood. A door had opened, and he looked in the general direction to see two people there, watching him. Why did everyone wear veils? Why were their faces only suggestions? You fucked up with this one. He's a man, and he takes three times as much as the others. It's enough to knock out a goddamn horse. How is he up? I don't know, but this isn't good for business. No, no, I've got a good feeling about him. Let's decide after we put him to work tonight with the others. The thousands of delicate sprites churned into whirlwinds and flew between his fingertips before the burlap was on him once more removing him from the sunlight and returning him to rest with another sharp pluck to his neck. A shock of cold was what he felt next. In the farthest reaches of his mind, he had sensed that someone was lugging him. His bare heels dragged against gritty floorboards, but until he was thrust into ice-cold water, he hadn't been able to muster the energy or will to open his eyes. Now he did so, taking in a harsh gasp as his body shivered. Someone was scrubbing him down mercilessly, 
as though they wanted to wipe away every last part of him so he'd come out of the tub a blank, new person. There was something about this that distressed him, but the concern, too, was sloughed off quickly. The freezing water made his teeth chatter and muscles tremble, but he felt more aware. For the first time in recent memory, he wondered how long he had been in this dream. It felt like it had been only seconds, but perhaps this was his entire life. The man washing him had him stand up and scoured him dry with a jagged towel. Yes, all the detritus of previous lives was swirling in the tub now. He was presented with an outfit next, and he took it into his cotton hands, but proceeded no further. It was too different from anything he'd worn before. He didn't know where to begin, and it turned out that he couldn't control the ten butterflies on his palms. You'd better be worth all the fuss. The clothes were taken away, and then the man was grabbing his arms and legs roughly, forcing his limbs into the garments. It felt good to have clothing on again, but what he wore was foreign and tight, and he thought that it didn't cover him in the right places. There was a very thin, soft material encasing his legs, making them smooth and ashen, and atop them were trim underwear and a skirt that barely covered his rear, let alone any of his legs. His chest was covered in only the loosest sense by some manner of bodice with stiff boning up the sides, laced up tight enough to force him to inhale only halfway. He wasn't given shoes, which vaguely discomforted him. Bugs crawl on the ground, a small voice reminded him. What an unpleasant thought that was. Why would he think that, when there were so many better things to think about, like how they were taking him to a new room, and he could walk, slowly and through the thick air of a hundred summer nights, to somewhere he had never been? It was rather exciting. Your name, the man said, is Lily. So it was. Your job, the man said, is to make people happy. How novel. To make people happy, the man said, you do the things they like. Well, yes. Now they were going downstairs, and the man was gripping one of Lily's arms to make sure he didn't stumble. Each step was equidistant, but the pads of his feet seemed to have pillows beneath them, making his every footfall feel different and ethereal. What the people like, the man said, is dancing. That made sense. Bitter barley, salty sweat, and stale smoke. It wasn't unpleasant, but it wasn't the smell he wanted. It was very frustrating indeed that he craved something he couldn't remember the shape of. The room was full of men, and the one holding Lily's arm parted them. They moved in mesmerizing ripples, their faces all covered in gossamer, so he couldn't tell how old or young or happy or sad they were. They were all people he was to make happy, and that was all that mattered at the moment. The man helped him onto a large platform. In the center of it was a thick metal pole that grew out of it like a branchless, leafless vine shooting straight up to the ceiling. Lily grabbed a hold of the cool metal, and the moment he did, a metal ring clapped around his wrist. The man had chained him to the pole by the arm. Strange. Lily looked around and saw that he wasn't the only one. There were three other platforms, and atop them were other people dressed like him, already dancing to the sweet, hungry notes that clung to all listeners. Oh, and how beautifully they moved, like flowers caressed by summer breezes. They glided around their little stages, wrapping their arms and legs around the pole to spin and suspend themselves in utterly entrancing ways. Lily thought he could watch them until this dream ended and it wouldn't be long enough. Oi! The man that had brought him to this fascinating place slapped his calf. You dance like them. Oh. It all made sense. He was excited to get to dance with them. They were so gorgeous, and the people around them seemed happy. 
Lily recalled the pixies he'd seen dancing in the sunlight eons ago, and he decided he'd dance like them and the other girls here. That would make the people happy. The longer he touched the metal pole, the less his fingers felt like cotton, and more like a part of his own body. His feet, as well, took in the rough wood of the platform he stood upon. The memories were bundled in many layers of night skies, but he recalled that someone had once moved like this before him, and he slid his fingers down from his cheeks all the way to his hips, learning the foreign lands between, and inviting the roomful of spectators to become just as acquainted. Then he dragged his hands back up, wrapped strong fingers around the pole, and spun himself around once, slowly. The room twirled twice as fast as he did, and giddily he realized that he was good at this. He could entwine a leg around the pole and dangle from it with one thigh alone, as he dipped so far backwards that the back of his head touched the pole. He could hold himself perpendicular and take floating steps down to the platform once more. He could lean in close to the men watching and see their smiles. It was the most exalting thing he'd ever done. Even with a chain on his wrist binding him here, he'd never felt freer. He could move however he wanted, as long as he wanted, get as lost in the rhythm of the music as he wanted. The men around him were going wild, shouting and clamoring for him, and he was amazed. He was good at most things, so it really shouldn't have been shocking that he excelled at this as well. What was stunning was that not only was he good at this, he liked it. Men were taking shiny coins out of their pockets and dropping them into a bowl at the base of the platform. It grew fuller and fuller as he grew more fans, and idly he wondered how long he would be able to dance. He hoped they wouldn't pull him away. Levi! One of the men front and center was staring straight up at him. Like all the others, his face was veiled in gossamer, and Lily couldn't make out any of their features. It was a small face. Levi, what the fuck are you doing? he hissed. Not my name, he said, never ceasing his dance. Yes, it is. You're Levi. I'm Himmel. You're supposed to be doing something about this. My name is Lily, and I'm supposed to be dancing, he informed her. You're not supposed to be dancing, you idiot. You're supposed to help me. Look, that's Tabby over there. Knock this off and help me get them out of here. Lily didn't know who this woman was, but she was ruining the moment. No, he said. Leave me alone. I am not leaving you alone. You're leaving here with me. That wouldn't do at all. She reached for him, but he kicked her hand away. Some of the other men tried to muscle in and crowd her out, but she wouldn't let them. Fine, Lily, she huffed. Why do you want to dance your life away? He said matter-of-factly, because I'm the best. So, if I proved that you weren't the best, would you come with me? There was no way anyone was better than him, so it was easy for him to say, sure. The woman held her hand up to him, and Lily took it, tugging her to stand on the platform with him. She was dressed strangely in men's trousers, shirt, trench coat, and hat. All of them were too big, to the point she looked almost like a child in her father's clothes, and Lily wasn't sure what she'd have to offer to the people he had already made so happy. Still, the little game would be entertaining, so he took the right side of the platform while she took the left. One by one, she slipped out of her garments, starting first with the shoes that she leaned over to put beside his bowl of coins. Then she glided out of the trench coat and tossed it into the crowd. The large creme blouse hid everything but the swell of her chest until she ran her hands down her front, revealing the bountiful curves in weight, and for a moment Lily was aware he had dragged his tongue across his lips like some of the audience. Next she removed her trousers and threw them into the crowd. Her shirt-tails were about as long as his skirt. 
She turned her face to him, and he wished he could make out the details. What shape were her eyes? What color were they? Everything was covered in gauze that he yearned to peel away. Not taking his eyes off her, he put a hand on the pole, and she mirrored him so swiftly Lily thought for a terrifying moment that maybe she could read his mind. Before he had been aware of what he planned to do next, she had shimmied up above his head, and they both clenched the pole between their thighs and curved into half-circles, spinning gently. The crowd was going crazy, and Lily realized when he glanced at her next that the tilt downwards had caused her to lose her hat. Golden curls tumbled down brighter than the sunlight he'd touched earlier, and something about them, something about her, caused his heart to flutter. He had seen her before, in a different dream. He had touched that hair, he had held her to him, he had said her name, and she his. Why couldn't he remember it, though? The earliest thing he could recall was the little fairies dancing in the sunlight. Anything before that was lost to him. "'Who are you?' he asked. Now she was above him, holding herself perpendicular to the pole with two strong hands, one leg bent up and over her back in a delicate arch. "'I'm Himmel,' she said. "'You said that already.' He couldn't see her lips, but he could hear the warm smile in her words. "'I'm the person you cling to when you're drowning.' That was the most nonsensical answer possible. There was no water anywhere to be seen, and anyways, with that much hair, they'd sink right to the bottom. He watched as she walked down the air and back to the ground before easing herself into a handstand, derriere pressing lightly against the pole. The shirt tails were pinned between her and the pole in the back, but the front fell to just above her navel, causing many an audience member to lean closer. She then wrapped her thighs around the pole, and with a little sound that was neither a sigh nor a groan, she brought herself up to a sitting position, with all the ease of sitting up in bed. Her blonde curls were mussed from the change in gravity, and she ran a hand through them. "'Uh-oh, Lily,' she said softly. "'Our audience is taking a liking to me.' Irritation rippled across his warm skin. He was finally doing something he enjoyed. He wasn't going to let her take this from him. Perhaps he had been slightly starstruck at first, but her novelty had worn off. Lily made it his sole goal in life to wipe the floor with this girl. He twirled around the pole in sync with her and dropped into the splits before draping himself against the pole and pulling himself to his feet as he arched his back. Then he spun himself up the pole with nothing but his hands and thighs, and when he was as high up as he could go and she was left to stand on the platform watching him, he clenched his thighs and allowed himself to lean back, 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 until he was entirely upside down. He took the metal into his hands behind his back, spread his legs delicately and fully, and then began the slow descent to earth, twirling himself around so that everyone could see as he suspended himself by only a foot and a hand, by the power of one thigh alone, and lastly, he spread his palms on the platform and flipped back to his feet. It was safe to say that no one would be able to best that. They were clamoring for him, shouting Lily over and over. He was awash in their praise, and truly, he had never felt happier. The girl made a little irritated sound. You're way more limber than you let on. To reinforce this, he tipped forward onto one broad palm, tangled his legs around the pole, and spun languorously in a circle. Last song, someone shouted. Lily's heart dropped. What happened when the music stopped? What happened when the people left? How long would the silence be between tonight and the next night? The things I'm willing to do for you, the girl muttered. 
He had been so dismayed by the knowledge that tonight was coming to a close that he hadn't noticed she had stepped in front of him, legs spread. Her hands were on her chest, and the men were screaming in delight as they encouraged her. She was unbuttoning her shirt. One by one she undid them as she circled the platform so everyone could get a taste of her flesh by the inch, and when the last one was undone, she tossed it to the corner of the platform. She had nothing on under the shirt. This didn't seem to bother her, though. She danced and shimmied, sank onto her knees and spread them wide as she teased them by covering her front with waterfalls of golden curls before she tossed her head and sent them flying to reveal every last curve of her body to the hungry crowd. Levi heard the coins clanking as they were thrown hastily into her shoes, and they were all surging forwards, wanting to feel and taste. Oi, who the fuck is that chick? Some opportunistic bitch. Get her. Well, Lily, she said, looks like you lost fair and square. My shoes are full, and your bowl isn't. Have a look. Lily leaned forward, and his heart felt just as cold and empty as the metal bowl beside the shoes that were spilling over with coins and bills. His throat burned, and his eyes watered, but he kept his word. He forced himself to nod, even though he didn't want to. Right, you're going to do everything I say. Get up on that pole, and then get onto my shoulders. It was blurry, but he could see two men parting the waves of the crowd and coming towards them. They were coming to take her away. She was an intruder stealing the show, but he had promised her before he knew that she was here not only to challenge him, but to sabotage him. He did as ordered and sat on her shoulders, crossing his legs around her neck. Hold on tight, she said. And then, without any warning, she cocked a leg back and kicked the pole so fiercely the metal cried out in pain as it was ripped from the wooden platform and the ceiling beams high above. Not wasting a second, she dropped down to her rear and had Lily slide the manacle binding him to the pole off the bottom so his hands were free. She then took the pole in her hands as she said, I mean it. Hold on. He threaded his burning, calloused fingers in her curls. She was so very warm and her hair so very soft. It felt like he had drenched his hands in sunrays again, and even though his life was falling into ruin, he felt slightly giddy. She roared to everyone in the room, Get down on your knees! Then she became a tempest. She swirled through the air with the pole in her hands, blasting away anyone that failed to heed her command and whistling over the heads of those that swore fealty. He felt her arms shudder and vibrate as the pole slammed into another one that a girl was bound to, and he thought for sure that she would tremble into pieces, but she was lightning and thunder all in one, bright, swift, and terrific. She gave the other girls the same commands she'd given him, and once she had felled the final metal oak, she took two girls under one arm and the third under the other. With all the speed and ferocity of an avalanche, she charged through the meadow of men, kicked down the door, and dashed out onto the dark street. Levi found himself blinking as he took in the cobblestones glistening with gaslight and cozy windows where people were snug and happy. It was such a beautiful place. He tilted his head up to take in the sky, and the stars were all like great spears of light reaching down from the heavens to pierce him. They were stunning, and he wanted to focus on the big one, but— Levi, for fuck's sake, do not make me fall on my face. This is mortifying enough as it is. Lily, he said petulantly, sitting up straighter. Oh, I'll never forget your name is Lily. There was a dark promise in her words as she panted and ran. The girls in her arms were crying, uprooted from all the simple pleasure to be carried like luggage through the streets by a naked madwoman. Their chains jangled against the cobblestones in outrage. Lily himself wanted to cry, but he managed to hold it in. Something told him that he wasn't supposed to weep. 
The woman was taking them to a staircase of stone that descended into utter darkness. What was down there? It couldn't be anything pleasant, he was sure. Still, she bounded into it without a moment's hesitation, and Lily had to duck down so his head wouldn't scrape the ceiling. His nose was pressed into her thick curls, and when he took in a breath, it turned from an inhale to a gasp. There it was, the scent he had been looking for since he found himself in the room bathed in silver. Crimson lilacs. He still didn't understand what was happening. How he'd come to be in that strange room, or making all of those strangers happy, was a complete mystery. Even the identity of this woman bolting completely nude through the streets without a care still eluded him. But he did know with certainty that she was his. She had always been his, from long before the moonlight and the sprites and the dances. She had come for him because they clung to one another when they were drowning. The knowledge that she had sought him out, bared herself for him, danced for him, and carried him all this way filled him from the chest outwards. As though his body were replete with tall metal grass that swayed in the caress of the morning sunlight, he felt warmed and glad. She was sprinting down a side road in the Undercity now, never slowing, never hesitating, and he thought her determination was incredible. All the fury and power of nature was bundled in her bones. Now she had entered a large building, and there were people all around gaping at them. Horace, my brother, she said. I need a room for my friends and me, and maybe a shirt. There was a commotion as the man named Horace leapt out from behind the bar and ushered them up a flight of stairs. She put down the three girls, and they followed after her dazedly. She and the man spoke, but Lily didn't care enough to listen. At present, all of the commotion faded away, and he thought that perhaps the excitement had ended. Slowly, she sank onto her knees before the bed so he could transfer himself from her shoulders to the mattress. He turned around to face her, and leaned in so close that his nose was brushing past the veil that hid her face and all the others, and finally he could see that she had the most spectacularly green eyes. "'What on earth do they give you?' she said, backing away. "'Your pupils are the size of the tip of a needle. Horace is going to get the girls water and make sure they come down okay, but I am in charge of you. Come on, you need to drink a lot. Did they hurt you?' The door creaked open, and she rose to her feet to take items. Levi sat down on the bed and waited for her to crouch down between his spread legs once more. She pressed a cool, damp rectangle of cloth to his forehead, and he thought he could feel a little more of this world trickle back into his mind. Her expression wasn't entirely clear yet, but he could see that her brows were downturned with worry. "'Here, drink this water,' she said. He did, in small sips. As he drank, she pressed the cloth to his head with one hand and began undressing him with the other. He had gotten so used to the constricting embrace of the top that when she unlaced the back, he was stunned to learn just how deeply his lungs could expand. Next she took off the skirt and tights, and lastly she had him put his hand on the thick footboard of the bed while she took a hammer and chisel to the manacle still on his wrist. Free. Levi, love, I need you to talk to me. She was inspecting him now, probing his scalp with feather-soft fingertips. Did they hurt you? Did they make you do anything? No, he said, leaning into her touch. Are you sure? You can tell me anything, even if they threatened you. You saw me rip that pole out of the wall. You don't have to be scared of anything or anyone. He shook his head. They said I had to dance. Now her fingers were on his cheekbones, tracing the line of his jaw, feeling the column of his throat. What are you doing? He wanted to know. I'm checking you for injuries. His collarbones, the balls of his shoulders, and then each bicep, elbow, forearm, hand, and all five fingers felt her touch next. 
Swift, gentle, thorough, they took inventory of his condition without pause until she'd reached all the way to his toes and everywhere between. She let loose a sigh so massive it could have shifted mountain ranges, and her fingertips trembled on the top of his foot. He watched her where she sat on her knees, shoulders slumped and head down, hidden by all of her curls. I was terrified, she whispered in a quivering voice. In the humid air, memory stirred. You told me the wrong name, he said. She looked up at him, and now he could see the bewilderment in her eyes from where she sat on the floor. He reached for her wrists and pulled her gently onto the bed with him, rolling and turning so they could lie beside one another with their heads on the pillow. Hesitance made her stiff, but he ignored it and wrapped an arm around her to pull her to him. Levi, she gasped, as their nude bodies slid against one another. Forcefully but carefully, she pushed herself away from him, dodged his wanting hands, and got out of bed. Levi didn't understand why she objected. The memories were distant, but he remembered that they had fallen asleep together before this. Her cheeks were bright red as she grabbed a shirt from the nightstand and slipped it on. It was much too large and served as a nightgown for her and a hindrance to him. She gave him an identical one that he put on unwillingly. "'You're the death of me in more ways than one,' she muttered. Still, she folded back the thin blanket and both of them got under it. Now that they had extra layers between them, she didn't jerk away when he put an arm around her. He took a handful of her curls and draped the sheets of gold over them like a shroud. With cautious eyes she watched him, no doubt ready to back away if he got handsy again. But he had learned his lesson. He was content to have the swell of her chest against his, her sweet breath fanning across his face, and her locks wrapping them in a world all their own. "'Your name isn't Himmel,' he said quietly. "'What is it then, Lily?' she asked. She had the most peculiar little smile that never changed. Her heart was in her eyes and brows, and there was a soft amusement in them now. "'It's Mel,' he said. She laughed, and Levi was delighted to hear the sound. Very softly, she moved up and closer. Her curls tickled against his cheek and temple with the movement, but the sensation was forgotten when she brushed her lips against the center of his forehead. A thousand butterflies spread their wings in moonlight. Yes, Mel is the name you gave me, she whispered against his skin. Now she pulled away, and he clenched the material of her shirt on her back as he resisted the urge to bring her lips back to him so he could taste them. Almost as if in apology, she readjusted her hair so it covered them completely again, and this did mollify him. "'Sleep for me,' she said. "'We'll talk in the morning.' "'Don't try to boss me around,' he muttered, even as his eyes grew heavy. Crimson lilacs wrapped in gold were all he could think of as he drifted off. And thus closes the chapter. Thanks for listening. Um, this is the end of the flashback. This is probably one of my favorites. It's a little absurd, it's a little out there, but I had this image of a pole dancing Levi and I thought, how can I make this happen? <laughs> the only way to make that happen is with Levi being heavily sedated and drugged. So that's what I had happen. Um, as for the chapter title, uh, No Strings, this is part of a song lyric from the song White Room by Cream. and the whole song is about a girl who gets taken advantage of and lied to and the full lyric is you said no strings could secure you 
I've always loved the imagery that's in this song, and I kind of drew on that when I worked on this chapter. Um, because Levi's not fully with it, he has a lot of descriptive imagery going on, and I had such a hard time writing this because what metaphors go best with everything, and also, I can't use a single metaphor that references the ocean or the sea in any way, so I had to really police my words a lot when I wrote this, so it was an interesting little challenge to do, but I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, also, just a little fun side note, a couple chapters back, Himmel told the 104th that the innkeeper Horace let her lay low when she was in trouble, and to, pray, and to repay him, she got him the inn upside. This is the incident she's referring to. So Horace actually let them lay low while Levi detoxed, basically. And they, well, she was so grateful to him that she decided to get him an inn upside in later times. So yeah, I think that's all for now. Uh, thanks again for listening. If you liked what you heard, feel free to pop onto AO3 and leave a comment letting me know. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.